Hi, my name is Isabel and I'm your host for the ESG Quick Takes podcast brought to you by ESG Book. It has been a turbulent time looking at geopolitics. The intention of world leaders shifted to the military conflict in Russia-Ukraine. We saw a lot of stress in energy markets, we saw inflation and macroeconomic uncertainty. And amidst all of that, policy making on sustainability and sustainable investing could have taken a backseat. However, our regulatory overview shows the contrary. Throughout the world, there have been many sustainable finance-focused policy initiatives. And this notably includes rules aiming for greater ESG and climate data transparency and tackling greenwashing in financial markets. And with me here to discuss this are our own Ina Amiseva and Ashwarya Shukla. They are experts on sustainable finance regulation and policy making. So welcome Ina and Ash. Could you go over some of the key regulatory developments of 2022 and uh, the beginning of 2023 on sustainable finance? Thanks for having us, Isabel. Let's start with Inna. Inna, could you go over some of the key developments in the European Union, as that is notably one of the regions that has the strongest regulation in sustainable finance? Sure, definitely. I mean, if we do start with the European Union, we can see that there was significant progress being made around the EU on the implementation of the EU's Green Deal. This is essentially the European Union's package on tackling greenwashing and and introducing more uh, certainty in financial markets when it comes to um, environmental social governance investing and uh, implementation. So if we look at the key um, regulatory initiatives that took place throughout uh, 2022 in the EU, um, among the key focus areas highlighted include, um, for instance, further progress made around the uh, European Green Taxonomy. So this is the EU's classification system on which economic activities could be considered green. Um, The EU actually clarified that nuclear and natural gas could now fall into the list of green activities, which for some um, political commentators has been um, quite a controversial area. But of course, um, the European Union made these decisions in light of a longer term um, economic transition in mind. Additionally, we also saw um, progress around the European Central Bank, which introduced climate scores for its portfolio management activities and also set out deadlines for banks um, to adapt to climate risks. We saw further progress made on um, fund labeling. So this is an important area both in the EU and around the world, as we will see throughout this uh, session today. So uh, the European Securities and Markets Authority, which is the uh, EU's um, financial regulator, introduced a new set of ESG fund labeling guidelines, which essentially would require that any fund um, that is marketed as sustainable or has a suggested sustainability or ESG focus needs to allocate at least 80% of its holdings in accordance with that sustainable investment strategy. Um, This follows similar initiatives around the world uh, by, for instance, the um, Securities Exchange Commission in the US and the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK, which we'll touch upon um, shortly. But just to highlight, Maybe on the corporate front, we also saw a lot of developments around uh, the European Union focused on corporate reporting. This is really a welcome development because currently there is a bit of a disconnect between 
what financial markets need to report on and what information is available by corporate issuers. So on that front, we saw progress being made on the um, adoption of a new flagship corporate reporting directive um, in the EU. This is called the, the so-called CSRD. Um, and this introduced legislation to significantly expand um, the mandatory sustainability disclosure requirements that companies operating in the EU will need to uh, report on. CSRD was adopted by the European Parliament in November and will be entering into force um, in coming um, months. There was an additional focus on uh, supply chain, for example, with the European supply chain human rights due diligence law and also its German counterpart, the so-called Lieferkettengesetz. Uh, both of them made strides regarding um, preventing forced labor as well as tackling deforestation in supply chains. So these are all very important initiatives that we'll be closely monitoring over coming um, weeks and months to, en to ensure that um, all stakeholders impacted would have the right tools and uh, data solution to, effect uh, to effectively meet these growing regulatory reporting burdens. We see many, many developments in the EU, and um, yeah, you explained it well. It begs a question, though, given Brexit was officially, you know, happened three years ago, how is this now playing out in the UK? That's a very good question. Well, indeed, um, as as we could have expected, the UK is now taking a bit of its own um, its own turn uh, following Brexit. Obviously, the UK has inherited quite a few. Um, you know, legal uh, regulations focused on uh, ESG or environmental sustainability from the European Union, but they are definitely taking their own path. Uh, for instance, what we saw last year is that um, the UK Financial Conduct Authority focused their um, climate-related disclosure regime very much on uh, TCFD reporting. So now in the UK, TCFD reporting has been mandatory from April 2022. Um, the, the UK also has quite a big focus around board and executive diversity um, targets which need to be disclosed by UK listed companies um, also from April of last year um, and similarly following the footsteps of um, their US counterparts, the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK also made uh, strides on combating greenwashing with their own uh, ESG fund label proposal. This, in a way, uh, builds upon or even departs from the European SFDR, essentially creating um, a bespoke fund labeling regime that applies to um, the UK market, essentially creating a set of three fund labels that would en enable market participants to tell apart different forms of green investing products um, and imposing the next burden on corporations to... Um, you know, uh, enable the better advertising of sustainable financial products. Um, another point worth noting is the introduction of a UK green taxonomy. Again, maybe similar or building on the European green taxonomy. Um, the first set of recommendations on that were issued in October of last year, but um, we do also see some... Um, some delays being made on that front. So for the moment, the project of the UK Green Taxonomy has been um, put on hold. And um, another point worth noting, finally, is um, the regulation of 
uh, data providers. Um, this is another topic of interest that we are following quite closely. Um, and we, we saw the introduction in November 2022 uh, of a code of conduct and a working group uh, focused on ESG data and ratings providers um, around the UK. Um, this is again in an effort to combat greenwashing and introduce greater transparency for um, ESG-focused financial market participants. Arguably, the EU and the UK have stronger regulation on sustainable finance. And thank you, Inna, for that great overview. Over to you, Ash. What happened in the rest of the world? Uh, so there was a lot of regulatory activity in the rest of the world as well, especially in the US. Um, in 2022, um, the SEC really started to shape the sustainability reporting landscape in the US by enhancing its issuer disclosure rules. So the SEC released the climate-related disclosure rule, which um, requires companies to disclose climate risk and other ESG matters that are financially material to investors. And in a similar vein, the SEC updated a fund labeling regulation called the NAMES rule, which requires a minimum percentage of holdings to be invested in line with the fund's suggested sustainability focus. And the rule has a classification system to differentiate between funds based on the adopted ESG investment strategy. Um, so consequently, there will be three types of funds, the ESG integration, the ESG focused and impact funds. Importantly, the fund labeling rule also imposes emissions reporting requirements uh, for climate focused funds. We also saw other federal authorities adopt similar objectives around ESG. So the U.S. Department of Labor for the first time considered ESG risks prudential and proposed a plan that would allow retirement plan fiduciaries to consider climate risks for investment decisions. Also notably in Congress, uh, they managed to pass uh, nonpartisan legislation. So this was the Inflation Reduction Act, which provides uh, clean energy subsidies, essentially. So with the Inflation Reduction Act, we see a big momentum in the US in 2022 on climate and climate action and how the government can play an active role in that. What other initiatives has the Biden administration been taking? And particularly, could you expand on data disclosure, reporting, as we see so much momentum in the EU on that? How is that in the United States? The executive branches of the US government are working closely to expand and stimulate the green economy. And the Biden administration has proposed a plan uh, to protect federal supply chains from climate-related risk. And this would mean that all federal contractors would have to disclose their emissions. And um, also this month, the, the White House uh, revealed a nature-based accounting system, which would measure the value of natural resources in economic terms. So we have seen these initiatives also roll in from 2022 to the next year. So you describe a lot of momentum in the United States on climate change action and sustainability more broadly. Could you touch upon the backlash that we also see emerging in the United States regarding ESG? So we have seen a growth of anti-ESG sentiment um, and general backlash towards any sort of ESG regulations, but this really doesn't stop the focus from uh, what is really financially material to investors and to actually um, harmonize rules um, and global regulations. Interesting. So talking about global regulation and global movement in this regard, 
what happened in the Asia-Pacific region and perhaps the rest of the world? Other parts of the world were also focused on ESG disclosure standards, um, but they were also emphasizing the regulation of ESG ratings providers at the same time. So uh, China actually issued the first ESG disclosure standards in the country, and it also launched a plan to have a carbon emissions statistical accounting system. Other Chinese authorities launched ESG disclosure standards, which came into effect in June last year. And uh, similar to the U.S. SEC fund labeling rule, Singapore's Financial Regulatory Authority, the MAS, or the Monetary Authority of Singapore, has also introduced ESG fund labeling uh, disclosure requirements and guidelines. And then down under, uh, Australia's Financial Services Council issued climate disclosure standards for asset owners. I think one of the most notable achievements was the passing of a landmark climate bill to achieve net zeros by 2050. And lastly, the Australian government also announced that it will review the Modern Slavery Act, which has been in effect over the past three years. So there has been quite a bit of regulatory activity around the world. And uh, in the realm of regulating ESG data providers, Japan has taken a major step here. And they've published guidelines on respect for human rights in responsible supply chains. Lots of movement in 2022 indeed. And then going to this year, what will be the key milestones that we should look out for in 2023? Yeah, it does look like uh, 2023 is going to be a very busy year for global ESG uh, regulatory initiatives. Already in January, we've seen actually a flurry of new initiatives taking place. And you can read more about them in our um, monthly ESG Policy Digest. You can subscribe on that at esgbook.com. Uh, but maybe just to go over some of the key milestones, um, we know that already last week um, the ECB released their uh, set of statistical climate-related indicators that could help um, banks evaluate um, finance emissions as well as physical risks related to climate change. So that builds upon the climate stress testing exercise that the ECB piloted last year among um, key significant financial institutions around the, the EU. Also from January onwards, we know that corporations around the EU will need to start making their first full EU taxonomy alignment disclosures, which will hopefully improve the level of EU taxonomy data availability for markets. Um, and similarly, from, from January onwards, the um, level two SFDR regulatory technical screening criteria came into effect, which essentially means additional disclosures regarding adverse sustainability impacts at the fund level, as well as further reporting obligations on all of the EU taxonomy environmental objectives per fund. For the SFDR front, uh, from the 30th of June, financial market participants would, would have to issue their first principal adverse impact statements under the SFDR regulatory technical standards. That is a huge milestone because it means for the first time, um, FMPs would have to provide their quantitative level PAI statements to regulators and to their clients. Also from June onwards, uh, the CSRD standards uh, for the upcoming financial reporting year will be published, including two conceptual guidelines as well as cross-cutting standards and core topical standards. This is very important because it essentially means that corporates in the EU will now have their rulebook as to which ESG indicators they would need to start reporting on going forward. 
And last but not least, the SEC climate disclosure rule that Ash just told us about will be finalized in April with the first disclosures required in 2024, covering already climate data for the fiscal year of 2023. This means that U.S. corporates or corporates that want to get listed on U.S. stock exchanges would have to start gathering their climate-related data for this year onwards. And again, maybe just to, to highlight, um, there's expectation that the SEC fund labeling rule would also be finalized, um, as well as other reporting requirements in the course of this year. So a lot to look out for and stay tuned with our developments and monthly updates. So seeing these initiatives for the coming coming months, do you expect greater convergence among regulators going forward, let's say the EU and the US? both focusing a lot on disclosure. Do you see that conversion happening? And if so, on which kind of topics do you think that regulators tend to agree on or maybe disagree? That's a great question, Isabel. I'm sure it's on the minds of a lot of our um, stakeholders listening here. Um, So we see convergence, I would say, in the direction of travel. We see definitely global uh, jurisdiction focusing on the tackling of greenwashing, for example, by introducing a more harmonized or standardized set of uh, fund labeling or disclosure rules. But on the other hand, we also see a, a little bit of divergence in the way this is being implemented on the local level. So for example, we have distinct fund labeling regimes across now the SEC, the UK, the EU, probably also globally. While the overall objectives of these regimes are the same in terms of introducing greater transparency and disclosures, the way they will be implemented locally will be different. Um, Similarly, we also see the introduction of a number of green taxonomies around the world, of course, starting with the European project, but that is now also replicated around the world with China, ASEAN, Malaysia, Canada, Singapore, introducing their own green taxonomy frameworks to fit with local specificities and um, uh, distinctions in reporting um, regimes and disclosures. And maybe finally worth noting again, another theme that we see in terms of convergence is the trend towards um, a greater oversight of VSG ratings and rankings agencies. And again, that is quite a welcome development because we know that um, a level of transparency is needed in terms of the overarching methodologies of ESG ratings and rankings, as well as the underlying data inputs. So we avoid having black box methodologies in terms of ESG assessments. But again, I think this is being tackled in different ways, in different markets, with some jurisdictions being more stringent than others. Uh, Like we know, for example, in the UK, they are developing a code of conduct, which will be, to begin with, non-binding, but will act as best practice examples of how ESG ratings agencies are to to behave, essentially, while in other jurisdictions we see a little bit more, you know, a little bit stricter um, standards of conduct being introduced, like, for instance, Japan. But yeah, the, these are just some of the examples. So overall, we are moving towards greater disclosure, greater transparency in terms of what kind of sustainability or non-financial information needs to be reported. 
with a local lens being applied to cater for the regional um, distinctions that do exist and will continue to exist. So it is a challenging landscape to navigate, but definitely a lot going on. So stay tuned and um, look forward to further updates from ESG Book. Great. Also, 2023 will probably be a year in which some of these new regulations will be tested for the first time, or at least tested in terms of implementation as well as enforcement, perhaps. So a lot, uh, a lot to look out for in terms of how it will play out. Thank you both so much. Uh, this concludes our regulatory roundup for, for 2022 and looking ahead into this year, 2023. Uh, many thanks to Ina and Ash for being here with us. We'll post their regulatory round overview in the show notes with details also on what we discussed here. So if you want to take a look back, it's all there. Thank you so much for listening and until the next time. <laughs>